0: Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where a Sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Some of what I'll be talking about, I'm actually going to preach today. Um, I've... For over 12 years as the pastor of this church, the Lord would not let me function in my prophetic gifting because I had actually developed the prophetic gifting as my identity, which is not really cool when Christ is supposed to be your identity. So he shut that down in my life. I would function as a prophet when I traveled. I would function and become a voice of God to the body of Christ. <clears throat> and and you know, I was re- reminded as I prepared to, to preach this, That in 1993, when Jesus walked through the wall and introduced himself to me, some of you met sweet baby Jesus laying in a manger. I met the king of kings and the Lord of lords who has life and death in his hands. He said to me, serve me or I'll let hell have its way with you. I kind of got saved. You know, when when the number one authority in the universe says, um, I'm done playing games with you, you surrender. I met a king. So I understand the king and I understand his kingdom. What I didn't like was the church. That night, I said, I I just fell in love with Jesus. And I said, please don't make me go back to church. Those people are mean. And those Pentecostals are mean in two languages. He said to me, and someone just turned me off. What he said to me was, son, you cannot change the church being on the outside shooting at it. You have to be on the inside to change it. And that's been a difficult thing because I wrestle with religious people, and I have this uh, special anointing to make them mad. It's a gift, and I do it, I carry it well. Um, but I, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 20, verse 3. Diana, if you'll put that up. Um, Then the Lord said, just as my servant Isaiah was walking naked and barefoot three years uh, for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and and Europe. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. Okay, so I understand being a prophet. I am a prophet. But that's not my identity. But but as a prophet, it's a function that you're hearing for the, the voice of God and you're giving it to the body of Christ. So I put that scripture up there because I'm going to share with you how I get revelation. Thank God I don't have to walk around naked for three years. Wouldn't help the marriage, trust me. Wouldn't help the uh, the reputation and would need help. But, but what happened is that I was going to Branson to preach at, at, at the conference we did. And, and I'm going to tell you that the 10 days prior to leaving were the most frustrating 10 days of my life. Anybody, anybody been frustrated? L- let me tell you something. Here, here's the thing about frustration. Most of the time, we, we attribute it to something the devil's doing. Oh, I'm frustrated. It must be the devil. No, maybe you're the jerk. That went over well. I would title this message, one of two things, either covering the church, which is that churchy. But I really think the title is the seven frustrations of change. And Here's what happened is I I, I have a business, I have employees. Here's the problem. I don't want employees. Employees are a pain in the patootie. Because employees are like a slave who looks to the master to give them everything. That went over well. Some of you are going, I didn't feel that way. But my job is to raise people into becoming productive enough to sign the front of their check like a business owner versus just signing the back of it like an employee. Okay, so so you got to understand my mentality. I want to teach people to sign the front of the check. Why? Because you're creating something, creating your own value. You want to make more money? Go work harder. Quit asking for a raise. Go produce. That went over well. <clears throat> so what happened is, is I'm Monday, a week ago Monday night, I'm in Tallahassee, Florida. I have one of my employees with me on this trip. She's got a room. I got a room. I'm sitting in my hotel room. I'm looking at the state capitol, and I am frustrated. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I've had the week from hell. And God wants to talk. Here's what he said to me. He goes, number one, why are you resisting me instead of embracing the frustration? I'm like, oh, that's a novel idea. He was. He said, why are you resisting me? I thought, resisting you? I thought that was the devil creating all this frustration. No, that's been me because you won't listen. See, see the problem is, is that my employees, a little 26-year-old blonde girl who her mom and dad are God-fearing people, raised in church, was a worship leader from a very famous, if I mentioned his name, you'd know the ministry, got hurt, got wounded from the church. How do you know that? You all know me. I don't play fair, right? She's worked for me for three years. Basically, she considers herself a backslidden Christian. Loves God but wants nothing. When she came to our office here and we had a church, she like had heebie-jeebies because she got hurt by the church. She got hurt by big, big ministry. And so I've been waiting just to mess with her for three years. So we're driving my pickup truck down the road and me being the smart aleck I am, I'm like, hey, would you mind if I played some worship music? No, no problem. Well, I had found... In 2014, she made a Christian CD. And I found it on Apple Music. So I started playing her music. That was not a smart move. She figured out really quick that I don't play fair. See, I thought I would get to her But a stinking got to me. What happened to this anointed psalmist who wrote songs about called the divine conspiracy? She had revelation. What happened to her? She won't darken the doors of a church. So we went to dinner, and she's in charge of all entertainment, and she doesn't know how to pick a Susie restaurant. Let's put it to you that way. (laughs) I will leave that up to Susie, and I won't go with Jamie. We had the conversation that needed to be had. She loves God. She still loves God, but she doesn't want to be one of us. And in my frustration, I said, God, I can't defend the church and its behavior to Jamie. I'm a leader. I can't, she's not wrong. The things that happened, the things she saw, the things that that was covered up, the things that, that were ungodly, the things that they just did. I can't defend that. I won't defend that. and It makes me frustrated. Here's what God said to me. Since when did I ask you to defend the church? I asked you to cover it. And there's a difference. And boom. This was an all-night encounter with God over the things that had frustrated me that week. And he said to me, I need a prophet to speak to my bride, and tell her some changes are coming, the frustration that the body of Christ has been under is because changes are coming. Because God Almighty is tired of the way we are treating his bride. So catch the concept of what what I'm telling you. He said to me, God told me, Don't be afraid to offend their mind to reveal their hearts. I didn't call you to defend the church or its behavior. I called you to cover it. That is a huge difference, and it takes relationship. There's the problem. You can't cover somebody in error. You can't cover somebody in sin unless you have enough relationship, knowing that you're going to cover it for a season to bring healing. And the problem with leadership in the church, they don't have enough relationship for somebody to get close enough because love covers a multitude of sin. But I won't ignore your sin. That's where that redneck thing comes out of me. Listen, I'll cover it if you're working on it. But the day you quit working on it, I'll expose it. When your heart motive is pure, even frustration can be a molding agent to shape you into the image of Christ. And I I just, this all night encounter why I've been frustrated. The first frustration was Jamie. I can't defend the behavior of leadership. So then I, the next day I turned it on her and, and you can't defend your behavior. Not if you love the Jesus that died on the cross and said, forgive them of all their sins. Then you can't. Don't call, don't, don't, don't say you love God and hate the church. Don't say you love God and I love my mom and dad and they're good Christians, but I hate everybody else. Why? Because I'm wounded. Listen, you don't have a right to be wounded, wounded if Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He took your wound and he going, wants to empower you to heal other people's wounds. Then my second conversation with God is I'm frustrated. I'm getting ready to, here, here's my life quote, and I hate it because now I'm having to live it. Until the pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of change, I won't. The body of Christ is now in consistent pain. We are frustrated, the bride, and, and, it's, and the frustration is coming to a level we're willing to take the pain of change. God has allowed us corporately to to, to get our brains beat out once in a while just to know that we're not winning this battle. And so the pain of staying the same has become greater than a pain of change. I'm having shoulder replacement surgery. It's been postponed. It's supposed to be Monday. Now it's going to be the 30th. And I'm, I'm frustrated with the stupid medical community that won't call me. I tuned this lady up the other day. I said, you know, your doctor probably don't make as much money as I do, and I would like a return phone call. She's like, sir, I am said, don't sir me. You gave me a piece of paper that said that you would contact me in 10 days. That's been 16 days, 3 hours and 47 minutes. Where's the respect here? You run your business, I run my business. I changed all my trips because you said the 19th. You just arbitrarily said he wants a day off to go fishing or something, and now you move it to the 30th. Do you know what that takes for me to move my schedule to appease you? Where's your decency, lady? I'm thinking, I'm an idiot. These people are going to be cutting on me. But I'm frustrated. Part of my frustration is actual fear. Oh, the devil. This frustration is coming from the devil. Yeah, because you allowed fear to come in. That, that was a good word right there. That's a good word right there. See, I'm having reverse shoulder surgery. They're cutting, like, like an idiot. I looked at a YouTube thing. I thought, yeah, okay, it's reserved reserve shoulder. Yeah, out a nice brochure. YouTube doesn't do that. YouTube goes, he takes out a really nice stainless steel sawzall, and he cuts your arm off, your shoulder, and he cuts the, the ball. See, the ball part is supposed to be on your arm, and your socket is in your shoulder. Nope, they're cutting this thing out because it's all messed up, and they're going to put the ball on my torso and the socket on my arm. Then they're going to stretch it, and I'm like, why did I watch this? Can I cancel this thing? Holy Spirit says to me, you've been frustrated and you won't listen to me because I'm about to do the same surgery to the body of Christ because the government of the kingdom is on the shoulder of the bride and you have a bad shoulder and so does the body. And I'm about to turn it upside down and do reverse shoulder surgery on the bride. See, son, when I told you not to defend the church but to cover it, you've become very transparent to people. You're the most, I'm one of the most transparent. I'll let you see scars and all, warts and all. I'll moon you if I need to. It doesn't matter. I've been very, very transparent. See, transparency allows light to pass through so objects behind can be distinctly seen. Having thoughts, feelings, or motives that are easily perceived. I'm very transparent. He said, Good job, but I need you more vulnerable. What does that mean? Transparency is let you see it, vulnerability is let you touch it. See, see, when Thomas said Until I see your your two scars, I won't believe. What did Jesus do? He would have had thousands of scars for his crucifixion. He shows up with the two that were required for him to believe. Scars are optional when you're healed. But if you want to be transparent and say, see him, see him from a distance, come. Touch him. That's where the healing comes from. When you've come through a few things, and you're no longer carrying the scar, you now possess the healing power for someone else to live off of. But the leadership of the bride of Christ is is starting to be transparent, but we are not healed enough to let you touch us. Therefore, we're, we're not seeing healing at the rate we're supposed to. The third frustration, I'm 61 years old, you double my current business, you make me start two more businesses in four states. I'm frustrated. Why did you, listen, and he won't let me out of it, because I know it's him. Why did you wait till I'm 61 years old? He says, well, at 61, you won't try to do it yourself, you'll actually empower people. Oh, oh, okay. Work smart instead of doing it yourself. And he said, son, but 61 is a, great, is, is a great age. I'm turning you from a businessman to an entrepreneur. He made me a businessman. I know how to run a business now. I made it a lot of mistakes when I wasn't a good businessman. I used to put God's name on everything, and then when it went bankrupt, how did you put God's rank name on it? Jesus is so wonderful. You learn something. But being a businessman versus an entrepreneur is the next level. The true apostolic is covering multiple churches, not just this one. You can't be involved with the day-to-day operation of multiple businesses. You have to trust people. And the reason that I have struggled, and he's waited till 61, is I can do it better than most of you. I can work twice the hours that you can, and I would rather do that than actually train you and share the resources with you. Oh, does oh, it came down to money. Oh, yeah, it comes down to money. An entrepreneur says, I'm going to trust that God sent you, that you're trustworthy. If you're not, we'll know real quick, and you'll get fired. Listen. Firing people is no longer a problem for me. It used to be because I wanted you to like me. I don't care if you like me or not. You're getting hired to do a job. Some of you are going, oh, Lord, poor Brian. I was talking to, to Ron. Ron's got to do some training with him. And I was telling Ron, well, when you go to George, you do this. I said, He's my son. He gets no special treatment. But he's also Susie's son, and he's a trained soldier. He can kill you with his bare hands. He goes, thanks for the information. (laughs) Do I? Yeah, he's the son of the HR later. Ron respects that. See, the problem is is you got to learn to trust and to train. I'm telling you, the body of Christ is going to walk into the fullness of the apostolic anointing and we're going to start raising up leaders within their own houses and others and we're going to trust them that God has called them and they're going to train others. I'm telling you, the fivefold ministry has been misused. The fivefold ministry is until you come to maturity. The problem is some people have come to maturity and we won't let them have a place. He said, go read Isaiah 61. This is getting ready to happen to the body of Christ. At the end of my message, I will read Isaiah 61. It, here's what he said to me. Now, you know I've lost weight, I'm doing good. I am struggling. Let's go ahead and say, Susie, we see it. She has seen it and she's watching me eat this, and I won't and, and I'm struggling to maintain. And 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 why, Susie? Why? You know everything else. Why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? I'm stress eating because I'm now busy running business on my game and I stress eat. Here's what God said. If you can't handle your stress, you'll never handle your success. I gave some prophecy last two weeks to, to Nathan and to others. Listen, my stability with my ability has to come from him. I gave that prophecy multiple times to Nathan. That was really good because it was fun giving it to Nathan until God turned it on me. You know, it's real good to be a prophet. And then God goes, no, that's not. that wasn't just for him. You're speaking for me, and now I'm speaking for myself. you got the same problem. And if you don't learn this, you're never going to get above the snake line. If you remember the prophecy, uh Psalms eighteen, thirty two and thirty-three, Diane. It is God, it it is God that girdeth me with strength and make my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and settleth me upon my high places. The hinds is a, is a deer-type animal that can place their back feet where their front feet were, okay? They're agile. They're mountain climbers. They, this animal can go to very high peaks and live on the cliffs and, and, and get above the snake line. I'm going to take the body of Christ, says the Lord, I'm going to make you your stability and your ability, if it's in me, you will have hinds feet. Your steps will be ordered of the Lord to where nobody will detect that you got four feet because you're only putting them one right after the other. Ha! He orders the steps of the righteous man. There you go. Tie that together. But you get high enough on the mountain that the snakes can't even come. We've been battling demonic stuff because we're low-level Christians. My sixth frustration, the body of Christ, and I, you've heard me preach it, is the father-son paradigm. It's the father. God is a father, and he's looking for his kids. Listen, there's some people, you know, I, I asked the Lord one day, the father-son paradigm. I've done all that. I'm not going to preach that. I believe in father sons Ladies, you're a son. If I can be the bride, you can be the son. Get over yourself, okay? This, the, you get your identity from your father what he's wanting you to do is get your identity from God, Jehovah, God, the Father, and not some crazy preacher, not some crazy evangelist. Him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Know the Father. Know your identity because of what he says you are. So it's a father-son paradigm. Here's, here's, here's what God, when he's, he's going to flip the body of Christ upside down. Let me tell you something. Donald Trump was the the greatest president advocate for the church of all presidents put together. Don't agree with everything he did. But he he did what he could more than any other president to preserve the rights of the church. We lost that, and I think it was God's design because the church would make an idol out of him and not be what we're supposed to. Okay? Okay? So he removed Donald Trump. Now you're going to be who you're supposed to be or you're going to wait for another president to come along someday and be nice. Dude, we're going to lose our tax status. Did you hear me? The church is under attack by the political spirit. Huh. And listen, Donald Trump was a four-year approve that, that the evangelicals were there and we couldn't get it together to do anything anyway. So I think God wants to be God. I think he wants to be president. So the father-son paradigm. So I'm frustrated because I had one of those weeks, and I'm talking to God. I'm looking at the Capitol building, and he needs a prophet. And he goes, why are you frustrated? I said, well, you know, there's some things that just irritate fire out of me. I'm, I bought my tickets to go to Branson to preach this conference. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have, like, caboodles of money sitting around. I got a little bit to where I can do some nice things. I have never flown first class because I'm too cheap, or Susie's too cheap. The HR lady's too cheap. <laughs> she wasn't flying with me, so I knew I could, I could skirt this one by. So I bought first-class tickets out of Daytona because, I, I, you know, where we were going, there was no direct flights. So I figured if i got to change flights, I can go first class. Woo, baby, I bought them in March. I was actually proud of myself. I'm going to sit in first class. Don't serve anything, so I can't even have a pina colada. But I was going to drink me some water. I was going first class. The Saturday before we lent, one of my special son, Big Anthony, hey, I want to go. I'm going to go with you. Come on, pops. I'm like, sure, man. You're... Do you realize a spiritual father can open up doors for you just because you're in a relationship? Yeah. Sure, buddy. He goes, well, send me your itinerary. I send him my itinerary, my first class itinerary. 11 o'clock Saturday night, he calls me up. Hey, hey I, think, I think you made a mistake. So said, what? You know, the city code. You said you were flying out of Daytona Beach. I said, yeah, and it's not DAY. DAY is Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> what? I had picked the wrong code. Dang. I'm on the phone with some guy from Hobby Mobby, India. For an hour and a half, and someone, I said that, and they're like, oh, that sounded racist. No, hobby Hobby, you know what I'm talking about. That guy from India who wants to sell you new warranty insurance, same guy. He does flight stuff. He was good. So I finally get a change from Dayton, Ohio, to fly out of Daytona, to fly into Charlotte and uh, then Missouri. Well, that would be $1,780. Excuse me. I said, what? $1,780? Well, Mr. Coker, you were first class. Not anymore. You need to put me back where the cattle are. I said, put me in the bathroom. I am not paying. That that HR lady will kill me. So all of a sudden, all this first class stuff just ticked me off. And so he had to change it. Now, you know, I, I bought them in March. Now I'm like four days before I'm leaving, and he, start, he gets it all done. He figures it all out. I'm not first class anymore, but it still cost me $506. That mistake cost me $506. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. And God said, I'm pulling the grace off my people <laughs> who put more faith in man and would rather fly first class and not make sure they're getting the right to that destination. I have leaders that focus on first class versus destination all the time, and I'm about to turn the church upside down. This is what he said to me. Because you invited a spiritual son into your realm of influence, he corrected your false destination. This hierarchical thing, because I'm the spiritual leader and I have all the answers, is about to come unraveled. Some of you are actually going to have the answer. And if, I'm, if I'm not ignorant or stupid and I listen to you, I will find the proper des- destination. The problem is the body of Christ has been, I'm so perfect and you just listen to me. We, if that continues, we will wind up in the wrong destination as a church. I'm talking about this church and the corporate church. The father and son paradigm is not a hierarchical paradigm. It's a relational paradigm that gives the son time, and some of it is timing, and honor to question the leader. You do it with the right attitude. Don't do it because you're snarky. That doesn't going to work. Attitude goes a long way. But what if I had not invited my spiritual son? I would have showed up at Daytona Beach and been like, you ain't got no seat on this plane. And then it would have been $3,000 because I'd had to get Uber. The father and son paradigm. Why? Just what I said before. It's got to be more relational. Frustration number seven, stop digging old wells of revival and clean up the current ones. We have dug into our history to where God is tired of digging into your history because you won't actually do something current. I have researched old revivals in western New York and old evangelists and, and repented for the sins of why they failed And all of a sudden, I got promoted, and I started cleaning up some current doo-doo. And I'm going to tell you, it's nasty. I'm telling you that I have realized that getting involved with leadership that is struggling morally, that have fallen, the old system, would say you're useless and you should never be in the pulpit again. That is not the new system. The new system is repent, get over it, you're valuable. We, we have, we have a, a prophet coming to preach next Sunday who had a major failure, who had a major falling out with me personally. He is a spiritual son and daughter of mine. And they're, they're still walking around wounded because so many people won't forgive them. I wrote about them in my book, The Baptism of Innocence. We in the body of Christ have got to restore people. I'm going to make a really strong statement. If you won't be the remnant for a fallen man, don't think you have disqualified yourself for being the remnant of God. What does that look like, Daddy? That's covering the church, son. I didn't, In this particular situation, you, you didn't defend his behavior. You gave him a window to fix his behavior. He didn't like it. Then you exposed him. That's where all this came from, and it needed to be done. But then when he repented, the baptism of innocence came in, and you've restored him. You've developed a leadership team within Identity Church. We're restorers. Do you realize the people that we have restored as a church? Charles Evans that went to prison, that started the Trinity Church, went to prison, said he would never preach again, preached in this pulpit. Why? A prophet is not worth his salt if he doesn't have a heart of restoration. I have a heart of restoration. I also have a sword that I I will cover it while we're working on it. But if you think you're going to get away with it, uh-uh, the sword's back. And I have a dagger, too. Get close. I'll stick you right, right where it counts. Why? Because you won't cut yourself. I will. It says for you to circumcise the deeds of the flesh. If you won't, I will. See, got to hear this word. Until you feel the pain of grace, you won't have the power of grace. Listen, that was hot off the press. What does that look like? Somebody has a moral failure. Someone has, whatever, a leader has failure. God sends you to them. God sends because you have a relationship. They expose it. And you have to put your reputation on the line to cover it while God fixes it. Do you know how painful that is? It's painful when God says he's valuable. Yes, he messed up. He doesn't have a friend in the world but you. Now go be his friend. Go be his friend. I don't even like the guy. That's painful. But when he says, I need grace, are you able to go through the pain of giving grace? I'm telling you, until we embrace the pain of giving grace, we'll never have the power of grace. See, there's a corporate grace that God wants to release, but many of us have never gone through the, I don't know how to forgive this person. I don't know how to release this person of my judgment. I, that's painful. But let me tell you something. You better embrace the pain of grace if you ever want the power of grace. Does that make sense? It's painful to forgive somebody in leadership that is messed up. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. If it begins with us first, then what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? God's coming with a sword. Listen, I preached this message in Branson. I'm preaching it now. In the week in between, I've had two leaders, major leaders at regional levels call me for wisdom. On how to handle exactly what I'm preaching right now. God has given me wisdom to sit in a a big seat of authority, to 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 give wisdom. Listen, if you don't use wisdom in this, you're going to misrepresent the grace too. It, and I'm telling you, it's 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 on us, which means on me, which means it's on us. You're going to have to have wisdom to know. When, when it's, a, it's, a, it's a character flaw that someone's working on or, they, or, or become their identity. And it's a different protocol. So, the body of Christ is changing. He's about to turn it upside down. He's releasing some restraints from the political spirit. And we are going to come into some serious attacks. But until you feel the pain of grace, you won't have the power of grace. That, that, that's a whole message on its own. Here's what he said. It's, he, read Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Can you say that? Listen. This is an Old Testament scripture that Jesus has fulfilled. So I can, i is Christ in you? Can you say it? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons of those who are bound. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, To console those who mourn in Zion. Zion is the bride of Christ. Let me tell you something. You're going to see major churches collapse. Because the system that they're operating on will not hold the weight of what God's getting ready to do. It's going to be turned upside down. To give them beauty for ashes, an oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, when God starts changing the systems of our comfort, we will battle depression because of change. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Verse 4, they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities and desolations for many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and sons of the foreigner shall be your plowman and your vine dresser. But you shall be named the priest. What does a priest do? A priest gets in the face of God and brings a sacrifice for others. A priest says, This is the oracles, this is the way, this is the type and shadow. It's time to be priest. We've been so busy being a king to make money, we forgot that as a priest, we're serving people. And we know how the Father wants it. You shall call out, you shall, they shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Listen, go read the book. God took care of your shame. If you're battling shame, he's already done that. Get over yourself. Find out that you're righteous and find out who you are and, and, and quit letting that be a hiccup. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Christians have been confused. We are confused on what God is saying. We are confused on what God wants. The confusion is going to dissipate because we're not going to have a lot of options. That was good. Thank you, Chuck. Therefore their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I had to look that word up. That means the generations. Generations. Some of us. Don't even realize that there's generational blessings in your bloodline that you need to go find out what they are and grab them. If there's some stuff that needs to be repented for, repent for it. When God called me a prophet, he said, do you want your grandfather's mantle? Is it legally mine? Yes, but you'll have to clean it. He was a prophet. He died when my dad was 11, but he was also a member of the KKK. That's where racism came into our family. I dealt with that. But if you want your inheritance... Be willing to clean what was done wrong. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he had clothed me with garments of salvation. We have to start being evangelist again. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as a garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God would cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. The only way he can let righteousness spring forth is to let you be seen. To let you be seen. What are you doing, Susan? Brian did? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. God has spared this church with only two cokers at a time. Do you see what happens when the third one shows up? I was, I was making a really nice point. And Susie's phone started going off. Listen, God, God wants the nations to see his bride. The problem is the bride is not stepping up in its righteousness. There are thousands of Jamies who have been hurt by the old system. That they need to be able to see a new system to where their excuses no longer hold water. On the ride home from Tallahassee, she's like, I could could see myself with a husband and a couple kids and being a worship leader again. Come on, man. Get over your little nappy-headed self. Little blonde 26-year-old nut job. Get over it. She's my employee. She took it. But but I can't defend the church. I can't defend I can't defend the behavior that she experienced. And I won't. But I can cover it because of the blood of Jesus. And when we start covering it because of the blood of Jesus and healing those wounds that others have had, God will do his part. That's current, that's cleaning up some current mess. And I think as we focus on cleaning up the current mess and portraying the righteousness that we've been giving. Listen, I I don't know how I'm going to pull this, put this together, but that came out of a prophecy that I gave. I don't know how to put it in words, but to experience the pain of grace. Until you experience the pain of grace, you'll never have the power of grace. In other words, we've been looking for the power, but we haven't experienced giving it. what about Agabus in the Bible who was sent by Holy Spirit to go get the Apostle Paul who was a Christian killer who was religious and 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 God spoke to a prophet go to Paul I've changed him can can you imagine the conversation he had with God you know this guy kills Christians you know I really don't want to be killed today God's saying, no, I have visited him. I have put a grace on him. But he's not man enough to walk alone yet. That's the pain of grace. Putting an affirmation on somebody that you had disqualified the day before. then the power of grace comes and transforms them. Stand to your feet. Say this after me. Dear Jesus, bring on the frustration and mold me into your image. Not my frustrated image, but your image. I want to experience the pain of grace, then I want you to dis- display the power of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning into today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. Read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.